Karen Flashwood from uh, Bender from New York. Yeah, butcher my last name. Oh. <laughs> 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 Karen will, uh, brought a delegation from New York to tell us all about uh, the how New York program uh, is operating and uh, the benefits to all blind vendors. Hi everybody, my name is Karen Blackwoods. I am a blind vendor here in the great state of New York. I am also second vice president of the American Council of the Blind of New York. I'm currently running for state president in October. I also sit on the committee of blind vendors in New York as third chair. Um, here with me today, I have Paul Yerby, who has been a vendor for more years than I probably really should say, because I don't want to embarrass him. That he's been alive. I have um, Rick Fitzpatrick, who is the district supervisor from Albany, um, who's actually standing in for the um, director of our program because she is out of town for two weeks. And I have one of the most interesting people also here with me, Sean Corcoran, who was originally a blind vendor who is now a specialist for the Buffalo District. So, do you have the code yet? Okay, as, as she's looking for the code, I guess I'm just gonna talk because that seems to be what I do best. So the name of my business is, I actually have two. Um, I have Karen's Express Shop, which is a small convenience store inside Erie County Hall in downtown Buffalo. And then I also have Karen's Express Vending, which is a vending route which is still um, in its infancy. Um, I only have 44 machines right now, but it is certainly growing, as is the rest of uh, most of the facilities in New York State right now. We have a lot of expansion going on and a lot of promising opportunities that Rick will speak more to after I let go of the mic, which may be never, but yeah. Um, New York is an interesting state. We have a lot of metropolitan areas, but we also have a very um, large area that is rural. So our business enterprise program, the beginning code for this session is 09888, Rick, who's going to give you all the stats and statistics of the state. Okay. 
Do we have set aside? Yes. And what's the percentage? Um, I'm going to have Rick answer that question because he has the numbers in front of him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I prefer that our district supervisor um, answers those. Um, but I will say as being a vendor, I believe it's a very fair amount that uh, we're giving back to the system with everything we're getting uh, as vendors. Um, any other questions right now? But did y'all, is he gonna give us the answer? Yes, after I took my test mark. Oh, okay. Okay, I will pass the mic. He's going to introduce himself and then continue on with quite a bit of information for you guys. So, Rick, you're up. I'll address the question at the end if you'll just give me a shout yeah, out. Sure. So my name is Rick Fitzpatrick. Here? No. You can't hear me. I give you the microphone. Okay. Yeah. No, it's getting a little closer. My name is Rick Fitzpatrick. I'm the district supervisor for the Central New York Regional Office of the New York State Commission for the Blind Business Enterprise Program. I would like to thank the American Council of the Blind for allowing me the opportunity to speak at your 58th annual conference and convention. I want to start by just telling you a little bit about myself. I began my tenure with the Business Enterprise Program in January of 2015 after working for the New York State Education Department Child Nutrition Program in both the National School Lunch and Summer Food Service Program for approximately eight years as a school food program specialist. Working back from my title of civil servant, my private sector experience includes clubhouse manager for a private country club in upstate New York, general manager for Young Brands Corporation in their Taco Bell and Long John Silver, quick service restaurants, and over 15 years experience with a variety of food service management companies in settings ranging from sports and entertainment venues, convention centers, and business dining facilities. For nine of those years, I was in the position of chef manager and general manager. To go back even further, I was also a small business owner. That small business was in the form of a hot dog vending card, Fitz's Franks. Additionally, I worked in the construction industry after my honorable discharge from the United States Marine Corps in 1978. So enough about my history, let me tell you about the agency and the program I'm here to represent. The New York State Commission for the Blind is part of the New York State Office of Children and Family Services. The mission statement of the New York State Office of Children and Family Services is, the Office of Children and Family Services serves New York's public by promoting the safety, permanency, and well-being of our children, families, and communities. We will achieve results by setting and enforcing policies, building partnerships, and funding and providing quality services. In conjunction with the overarching mission of the Office of Children and Family Services, the mission of the New York State Commission for the Blind is to enhance employability, to maximize independence, and to assist in the development of capacities and strengths of people who are legally blind. The New York State Commission for the Blind's goal is achieved primarily through the vocational rehabilitation services provided by the 65 vocational rehabilitation counselors stationed in seven district offices and six outstations. The counselors are comprised, are comprised of transition-specific counselors, children's consultants, 
orientation and mobility and vision rehab therapists, certified trainers on, on staff in some of the offices. In addition to vocational rehabilitation, the commission also provides children's services, independent living, and adaptive living programs. The commission also maintains an eye registry of legally blind New Yorkers. Typically, there are 3,600 individuals receiving vocational rehabilitation services from the New York State Commission for the Blind at any time. Currently, the New York State Commission for the Blind Business Enterprise Program is comprised of three regional offices. The Western Region Office, located in Buffalo, encompasses 23 counties. The Central Regional Office in Rensselaer is responsible for 30 counties. And the Southern Regional Office in New York City has nine counties. The one thing of note is that the nine counties served by the Southern Region in New York City have a population greater than the other 53 counties combined in the state. The breakdown for the number of business enterprise program facilities by region is as follows. The Western Region currently hosts 12 facilities. The Central Region has 34 operating facilities with two more facilities under construction, one of which should be open in the fall of this year and the other will be ready for occupancy in the spring of 2020. And the southern region is home to 33 facilities. Each region also counts vending groups operated by licensed managers among their facilities. Each region, each region has a district supervisor. The western region has two program specialists. The central and southern regions have three specialists. However, there is a vacancy in the southern region which should be backfilled shortly as interviews will be held later in the month of July. Each office also has an administrative assistant, and there's a supervisor and two specialists working in the home office in Rensselaer who are responsible for the administrative oversight of a variety of related functions of the program, among which are the contracts that the Business Enterprise Program holds with approximately 50 third-party vendors, vendors who pay commissions to the program to operate vending sites around the state, not operated by licensed Business Enterprise Program managers. The revenue received from these vendors goes to support the Business Enterprise Program, as well as other programs administered by the Commission for the Blind, such as summer camps for children or illegally blind. There are 65 licensed managers in the program, but that is not to say that all of them are actively managing their own store. I know that for a fact, because one of them is sitting on the DS up here next to me. That, that would be uh, Sean. He's still actively licensed, but He's, uh, he's, not, he's not managing a store currently, but he's working for the Business Enterprise Program as this, as this program special. So if you've been keeping up with the math, you probably have figured out that I'm not a young man. <laughs> I do, however, look pretty good for my age. You can take my word for it. To a room full of blind people, you're gorgeous. <laughs> I was gonna say it was my movie star good looks, but then last he was a movie star, so I didn't wanna go there. So. <laughs> You have also been able to calculate that the New York State that New York State Business Enterprise Program has 65 licensed managers, again, several who are not currently managing the facility, and 79 active facilities. To work around this discrepancy, there are some licensed managers running more than one facility, referred to as a piggyback, which is what Karen's doing for us. And a few of our facilities are being operated for us by what we call temporary managers. These temporary managers can be sighted or legally blind and act to keep the facilities viable until a licensed manager can take them over. New York State is number three in employing legally blind individuals. 
and the median salary for a licensed manager in the New York program is approximately $43,000 a year. With our agency currently pursuing many areas of our legislative priorities that we have yet to be granted, it is obvious that already having more facilities than licensed managers to fill them may not be an enviable position for us to be in. The program has also actively engaged in broadening our scope with the addition of micro-markets, which are basically scaled-up uh, vending operations that provide self-service and self-checkout. You're probably familiar with those as well. They can be either staffed or not staffed. Challenges presented there are the accessibility of the hardware that runs the self-checkout kiosks and overcoming the reservations of the host agencies to the concept of product loss through the inherent honor system of the self-checkout. So we are currently working with a third-party agreement for two micromarkets in the Albany area and are in negotiations to place four micromarkets in the United States Postal Service locations in the New York City and Long Island area. These agreements will allow us time to evaluate the viability of micromarkets, as well as the ability to assess the level of accessibility for a manager with little or no vision. We strongly believe that the business enterprise program operated micromarkets will play an important role in growing our program. That takes us to the next segment I'd like to tell you about, our training program. The business enterprise program works very closely with the vocational rehabilitative staff and our respective regions to recruit candidates to participate in the program. All candidate referrals to our program come to the VR offices. Candidates must be at least 18 years of age, a citizen of the United States, and a resident of New York State. One of the first steps in the process for the VR counselor is to administer a self-employment inventory to the prospective candidate. This consists of an extensive series of questions on areas including entrepreneurial characteristics, their personal situation, their financial responsibility, and if any, their business experience. If a decision is made to move forward, the candidate then signs a training agreement with the Business Enterprise Program and begins the training. Like many of the Business Enterprise Programs in the country, New York State utilizes the Hadley Business Enterprise Program Licensing Training. The Hadley Business Enterprise Program Licensing Training consists of 10 training modules and a final exam. The modules are Introduction to the Business Enterprise Program, which talks a lot about the, the Randall Shepard Act, Vending Management, Cafe Operations, Developing Systems to Structure and Manage Your Business, Employee Hiring and Development, Labor and Cost of Goods Management, Customer Service for the Business Enterprise Program, Business Processes, and CertiSafe and Introduction. Each module must be completed within 30 days of the start of the module, and the entire training must be completed within 12 months from the start. Perhaps some of you know of someone who said, I like to, and fill in the blank, cook, sew, give my opinion, entertain company. And my friends all say I'm so good at it that I should, again, fill in the blank, open a restaurant, clothing store, start a blog or a podcast, or become a caterer. And then with little more than their passion and a bright idea, they go ahead and follow up on it. Some will succeed. However, according to October 2018 data from the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, about 20% of small businesses fail in their first year. By the end of their fifth year, roughly 50% of all small businesses fail. After 10 years, the survival rate drops to approximately 35%. 
because the old saying goes, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. A big part of that plan should be the financing. And what the friends who encourage you to follow your dream probably won't do is come up with that financing. With that in mind, the New York State Commission for the Blind and the Business Enterprise Program will arrange for startup funding to cover costs for licenses, permits, and some insurances related to becoming a sole proprietor, as well as, well as an interest-free 36-month loan to purchase the initial first month's inventory for the facility. On top of that, the Business Enterprise Program will furnish you with a fully equipped facility, some of which is, is an adaptive technology, and it will also cover the total cost for any equipment repaired or replaced. So in order to protect our investment and in an effort to ensure success, Business Enterprise Program supplements the Hadley BEPLT with extensive on-site training that consists of a two-week assessment performed by the Business Enterprise Program staff members and the Business Enterprise Program license manager and a minimum of six weeks of on-site training at at least two distinct facilities to give the trainee the opportunity to work under the supervision and side-by-side -side with license managers, culminating with the trainee assuming the manager's role for the final two weeks. The on-site portion is also accompanied by CERF-safe certification as well as some extracurricular work. All through the process, the candidate will also be assessing their progress and will work with the Business Enterprise Program Specialist to undertake any additional developmental coaching or training. Once a manager is licensed in place, they can count on the continued unwavering support of the Business Enterprise Program through the guidance and expertise provided by any specialist that works with them. I can tell you with conviction that the success rate for licensed managers in the New York State Business Enterprise Program is well above the rates of those business successes quoted above. And at this point, I thank you for your time. If you have any questions, I'll be more than happy to entertain them. The one about the set-aside, going back, the way, the way we, the way New York State assesses their set-aside, it's called the levy. And the levy is calculated on the first $1,500 any manager makes during a given month, which totals up to $18,000 a year. Of, of earnings, of income, of business profit. There's a 20% levy against that dollar amount above and beyond that $1,500 or $18,000 a year. Um, so some of our managers, the, the ones who are in more successful or more profitable locations, pay substantial amounts of levy. Um, some pay, quite honestly, several thousand dollars a month in levy. Uh, other managers who are in a lesser performing store, for, you know, for whatever reason, by choice for the most part, um, they don't pay as much, but all of our all of our managers are provided with the opportunity to get reimbursed for their any expenditures on their health insurance benefits that they have, private health insurance that they have, up to thirty five hundred dollars a year, and there is also a disbursement that's that's distributed at the end of every year for a manager who's had at least nine months of monthly business reports submitted during that year, um, and it's based on their longevity. It's a dollar amount based on longevity, a percentage of their sales. And there's also a formula that calculates um, where they're standing. And so it's there, there's some of, some some of our managers more than break even on the, the set aside that they pay in. They, the return they get is at or above um, what they pay into the, to the system every year. And again, as I stated earlier, that's in addition to the New York State Business Enterprise Program, as opposed to some other states I, I know of. Um, we pay for everything. It's, as far as repairs, up, upkeep, maintenance on all the equipment, uh, replacements, uh, 
update facilities, occasionally you know, we'll remodel facilities. Most of that money all comes from our program. Occasionally a host agency or a host will participate as well with some funding um, for construction and furniture and fixtures, things like that. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got a couple questions. Okay, I hope I have a couple answers. You probably do. My name is Richard Bird and I'm in the post office. So when I heard you say that you were going to open up micro markets in the post office, are those going to be banned micro markets? Or are you doing? I think I think the I think the the, uh, the program that we're looking at right now, the the buildings that they're in, most of them are in the one, the one building in the main post office in New York City, which is right adjacent to uh, uh, Penn Station, Madison Square Garden, and I believe they have they currently have cafeterias in there. But the cafeteria model doesn't work. It just doesn't, it's not making any money. And um, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna sub, try, to, try to make a micro market that actually has some minimal food production going on in there. So they'll be, so at uh, this time, uh, that's the structure of a couple of the ones that we're looking at, they will be manned. The so other two that we have. They'll take everything out of there, including the shelf. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't I, don't know what your I don't know what your experience is with them, but the company that we're working for on our third party, for the, for, the, for the ones that we have in the Albany area. And um, the, the company's called Prestige Vending. And they're a large you know, New York State company. They have micro markets and quite a few facilities that they operate for themselves. And I've been reading a lot of the industry you know, publications about them. And obviously they're promoting them because it's, it's the new and upcoming thing. And it is, it, all, it is all location dependent on where you want to put a place. Security is a big issue, is a big issue. Shrinkage is obviously your biggest concern. Um, but with, with a lot of the technology that's there, the accountability, it's not impossible for somebody to steal, but it makes it very difficult. Um, I know the point of sale kiosks, um, they'll track something, so, so well, I guess one of the things that folks have been trying to do is they'll bring up a purchase and then they'll cancel the purchase because there is an option to cancel it at the end. And then they'll try to walk out with, with the item. Well, apparently, in addition to you know, overall surveillance, which these places have to have pretty good surveillance systems. Well, we found in Ohio that when we put in cameras and we bust a person and we actually prosecute, that falls down when the building turns their head and, and that's, it that, does nothing that increases. And that's why I said that's what the hesitancy, I was part of, the, you know, part of my state was. There is hesitancy, especially for a lot of our state agencies, because they're afraid if the, if the civil servant steals something, what recourse do they have with all the civil service protections that, that's in there? But you know, my understanding again is with a lot of the private concerns, um, you know, they, they can enforce those regulations. So we got to get past that hesitancy. And I think as it becomes more and more prevalent, as these types of you know, cashless markets become more and more prevalent, people will get the idea. And there's going to be shrinkage no matter what. If you have a standalone store, you know, a little newsstand or a, a little uh, you know, a mini market style store, you're going to have shrinkage no matter what. Whether you're sighted, blind, people are going to pocket things. Oh yeah. Um, so you know there are, there are ways there are ways to get around it or at least to minimize it, and that's the goal. You know, one of them is having real strong uh, inventory practices, and again the state of the art technology that they have now. Um, some of the uh, some of it's called bite is one of the coolers that we, we just we, we just saw a couple of weeks ago in a demonstration, and actually the bite cooler is you have to swipe your credit card first before the door opens. And then once the door opens up, anything that's taken out of that cooler is automatically scanned by RFD technology and charged that credit card. Okay. So there are there are they're coming up with technologies to so short circuit you, people's tendency. To, with the person who goes in there and picks everything up and puts it right back in place, they get a fifty 
No, because the scans are going back in as well. Okay. So my, so my question to the vendor about that was, what if I, I buy a can of Coca-Cola today, and I take it out and it scans, and tomorrow I come back, I take another can of Coca-Cola out and it scans, and then I put yesterday's empty can back in. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently they, they, they're, they're working on every possible angle that people would try to short circuit the system. Because every time you come up with a measure that you think is oh, going to yeah, prevent well, someone's going to come they up with They stay up all night thinking how to yeah, prevent yeah. They don't have anything to lose. You only got eight hours a day right. during work time. And, and, you lose, and you lose sleep while they're staying up thinking about it. <laughs> but I think, the, the thing, I think the thing of it is now, it's, it is an up-and-coming uh, technology. And as we all know in a lot of our businesses, people demand stuff because it's, you know, whoever thought five years ago you'd be able to pay for a, an item with your watch or your phone. And now you know, people are demanding that, they're looking for it, they're, they're favoring uh, businesses that have that technology to make it as seamless as possible. And just, the customer service part is great, but you also have a generation of folks who are growing up, they're losing that, they don't want that inter interface with a, with a human being, a lot of them. They want that, you know, just touch it and go or whatever. So we have to advance with that. We're still giving that customer experience. And I think the mic that I keep saying about us, especially is we have to evolve or we're gonna perish. Because it's out there, it's not going to go away. There's supermarkets now where people are, Amazon has supermarkets in New York City, if you think any place people are going to steal, you know, they're, they're, they're the kiosks, they're in airports now, they're in hospitals, they're, they're in all kinds of locations. So we have to evolve. Yeah, we know they're unaccessible everywhere we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's part of the, and that's one of the things that's holding us back right now um, is they call it the back end part of it, the setup part of it. Um, for someone who's legally blind, how easy is it? And again, is that technology? You know, what your iPhone can do, what your smartphone can do now. Um, so that I'm sure that's all going to catch up as time goes on. And we're going to do our best to keep up with it. Make sure my other part of my question okay. that have nothing to do with that part, which set off another sure. red flag for Good. me. It was, um, you said that you were going to the NFB training modules for your people. Is that what the Hadley is? Yes. Okay. Um, Know that I am. 
Hadley has pros and cons. Um, we can't, it's the one course or, or path of courses that's completely accessible to some of the new people coming up through the training. New York requires, at this time, very few of the Hadley courses to be taken. The majority of our training is through the on-site. So it's us managers, myself, Paul, who's sitting here, that are the people that will determine whether or not somebody moves forward in the program. The absolute required ones through Hadley, Hadley are the, the ones that Rick mentioned, but there's, you have to know what Randolph Shepard is before you come into the program. I mean, really, that's realistic. The Excel, you have to be able to show the state that you're capable now of using the technology because everything is moving forward. And it's not just the point of using an Excel spreadsheet. It's that you know how to maneuver a computer using uh, your technology, whether you're using um, adaptive braille notes or, or any of the millions of, of braille transcriptions that are out there, or you're using voiceover or JAWS or any of the uh, adaptive features. New York wants to be sure people that are coming into this program at this time have the capability of advancing as the times are changing. Because unfortunately, New York, we do still have a lot of older managers. I mean, there are people in their 70s that have never turned on a computer in their life. And it's unfortunate, but they're being left behind in a lot of aspects. They're not able to turn that computer on. They can't just say, look, I just found on Amazon, I found a bag of nuts for 20 cents that I'm selling for a dollar. Instead, he's paying his distributor to come in his store and they're charging him 65 cents. He doesn't have that option because of the lack of technology. So the people that are already in the program don't have to go backwards, but the new people coming in have to be able to move forward. And I would also guarantee, as far as being a member and sitting on the committee of, of, of blind vendors, if there was another accessible option, the state would certainly um, adopt those practices. Unfortunately, Hadley right now is the only one that's 100% accessible. And you don't have to go to the conference? No, everything is done online. Yeah, and everything is done online. But you don't have to go pick up your certificate. No, you do not. Okay. And I, I can speak to this 100%. That's an exception then to the country. Well, I'm here to clear it up for you. I did it. I had to do, you know, the Excel course through Hadley, and there, there was no having to go to an NFB anything. Because if that was the case, I would not be back in the program. And that's why I spoke up, because I wouldn't be a vendor today if I had to pick up my certificate from Jernigan or Well, absolutely. And as, and as ACB members, you know, I think we all definitely agree with that we're on the same page. Philosophies, of course, are naturally very different. Um, it just happens that it's an accessible program. Is there um, along with the modules and the on, um, online things? Do you do classroom training? No, not not. We don't. We don't. We currently are not using that model anymore. We got away from that model um, because, again, like Karen said, our, we're, we want to focus on that on-site training. Um, that way, with the specialists involved, the managers, several different managers working with the, with the individual, um, we feel it's. So we kind of feel like some of the classroom stuff was a deterrent, if you will, um, because we don't have a facility. I know there are some states out there that actually have a training center. 
Uh, New York State doesn't have that. Our model, our model is pretty much on the, you know, we're, the, we're not only reliant on the on-site stuff, but we want to make our focus uh, with the on-site. We have, there's, I have other, you know, there's checklists that we go through. There's a process, there's a form, if you will, a formal process to the on-site. So we make sure that each person comes coming through it covers every aspect of running the business. That's after the module training and all? It, it takes, some of it takes place at the same time. It, because because the, the Hadley courses are, are, are self-paced. Right. So you have up to a year to complete those courses. So it's switch from that about, since you have to set aside, is, is there no um, state or federal funding to the funding program? Oh yeah, we, get, we have, there's, um, there's several different sources of, of funding. There's large, yeah, large sums of money um, that we get from um, the highway fund, Kinney, I think it's called the Kinney Fund, um, which is uh, part of the vending money that comes from the, the federal highway system. Um, I didn't bring any of that financial, I, I apologize, but I get, yeah, we, we get money from the state, there's state funds set aside, there's federal funds set aside. Our set aside doesn't, doesn't cover, virtually doesn't cover much of anything other than that goes back to the, what goes back to the vendors. Um, we don't use that, we don't use that fund to run our program. That's the question. But that answers your question. Yeah. You know, all, the, all that equipment that's purchased, all the, the construction that's done, uh, all the repair work that we pay for, all, you know, all those things, the salaries of our staff, none of that comes from, this, from, the, from the levy fund. That all comes from other funding sources, so, you know, either the state or the federal government. Are there any other questions right now about how New York is operating? So y'all mentioned that you had more facilities than you do vendors. Are y'all allowed to do like a permanent facility and then temp one or? Well, that's what Karen's doing now. That's the piggyback. We call that a piggyback. Yeah, uh, what now? It's called a piggyback. A piggyback. For lack of a better term, yeah, sure. like, you know, you're running one facility, you're and carrying, the carrying the weight, carrying the weight. Yeah, some facility. states call them satellites. You know, right, okay. right. Okay. Right. I got you. We, but there's many of us that do it. Yeah. Um, it, it does so, there is a priority list in New York. So the highest people on the priority list naturally get the first option. And that's actually being reviewed. There's that right now that's the current system, um, but it can't always be the best managers that have up with two or three facilities. And, they, and they've actually just recently changed the rules now that a manager can piggyback one facility and then there has to be absolutely no other options uh, before our manager is allowed to pick back more than two. Um, right now, I, I, my permanent facility is, is um, Erie County Hall, which is the small like convenience store, um, pizza, coffee, sandwiches, all your snacks, and this is my sales pitch guy. Uh, let's see, I heard more legs on sale this week. Uh, maybe a couple of balance breaks, I give you a discount on those. Uh, the vending route is piggyback. And um, it, it's been an adventure. And in March, I have to make a decision um, what direction I want to go. Um, there's the prospects and the possibility that I can continue doing exactly what I'm doing with both of them. But of course, that's working seven days a week. Right. For all vendors in the room, you know what it takes to run a vending room and also a store in one of the state or county buildings. Um, but the technology has certainly helped. I mean, all my paperwork now is done by the computer. I mean, 
but it's changed the way you do things. It's not old school anymore. Karen, how many did you did I miss how many people you have in the program right now? Right now, there's sixty. No, I, I mean uh, coming up. Uh, oh, for trainees? I, I believe there's one in the Buffalo region currently. Uh, we just licensed the manager just out there yeah. about two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I think New York City, is, they just licensed one or two managers not within the very recent past, in the past couple of months. And I think they have uh, four or five people in the pipeline as well. Uh, I currently don't have anybody in the Albany area. I've had, some, I've had a lot of interest. That means Rick is recruiting guys. That's why I'm talking Actually, I, have, I do have some managers from around the state that are considering piggybacking some of my facilities um, in New Albany. I have 11, I have 11 vacant facilities. Not vacant, I should say vacant. I have 11 facilities that are either being piggybacked or run by a temporary, a temporary manager. Wow. How do you um, manage uh, people that move into a state and want to get into it? The same and they've, way. And they've been a vendor in another state. I know, I know there are some states that are reciprocal, um, but I couldn't tell you which states uh, I don't know if we have a reciprocal agreement with, with any other states, but we probably have to evaluate in, on a case-by-case -case basis and right, right. You know, see, again, with the on-site assessment and see what the strengths are, if there's any developmental needs, we'll have to work with somebody. Um, but don't quote me on that, because I'm, I'm not making promises. <laughs> but, you know, since we, since we, haven't had that, we haven't had that happen that I'm aware of, um, but you know, we're willing to work with folks if they're willing to come and join us. And, you know, so we probably start with the VR counselor because all our referrals come through VR. Um, but I will tell you, New York is a great place to live. The Albany, <laughs> the Albany district is actually wonderful. The cost of living is very average in comparison, you know, around the state. Um, New York City is insanely high cost of living. The Western region, where I'm from, you know, it's it's I'm, I'm making a decent living. Um, anybody who moves into the state you have the opportunity to continually move up. Um, we have managers, you know, making in the $100,000 range. And above that, excuse me, I was just correct. Um, of course, we have small facility too, which really do accommodate the blind vendors that are ready for retirement but still want to get their um, healthcare uh, reimbursements and still want to get their annual distribution. So they don't really care how much they're making every week, just so long as they still have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So we go from you know smaller to much, much, much larger. So I would really encourage anybody at this time. New York is a fantastic place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind talking about your transfer and promotion system? How, when you want to bid on a, a better facility, uh, is there an interview panel? Each, each week, each week we have well, each week we have what we call the canvas line. And that's a 1-800 number. Our office posts, uh, if, there, if there are any you know, available facilities, if it was like on the canvas line. Um, so you call that number, our managers call that number, and they find out if, what facilities are currently up for canvas. Um, and you know, then they're instructed to call the office if there's an interest. And there is a promotional list, as like Karen said, and that basically goes by, again, longevity and profitability of your current, your current stand. And if you're current on your monthly business reports each month, you know this, you have to have at least nine nine monthly business reports in the prior 12 months have to be submitted. Um, facilities, in Karen's case, she stated earlier that she's gonna have to make a decision come March, because last March she took a facility out as a piggyback, and we pretty much guarantee that that facility won't go back out on the campus line again for another year. Okay. That way you get to test it out, you get to recover any you know investment that you have uh, into that facility. 
Um, and if she wants, she will be given first choice on that facility when it comes available. If she wants to make that her primary facility and then switch her other facility, uh, make it available. Um, so there, the Canvas line is primarily your opportunity the way people find out about the facilities that are, that are available. But there is a promotional list. But to be quite honest with you, unless a place that comes on the, comes up on the Canvas line is, is really a step up for somebody, um, and if you're on that top tier of the promotion list, right. nine times out of ten, you're, you're not going to bid out unless you want to slow things down a little bit. Yeah. Then you know you'd be basically bidding on lesser facility because uh, if you're making the kind of money that you know that puts you at the top of that list, uh, most of the time you're gonna, you, you, you know, want to stay there. Um, so it's it's not as competitive as you might think. Not as competitive as I'd like it to be because <laughs> um, you know sometimes you want you know those good managers that really know how to run a facility and build a facility. You might want to take them into a lesser, ask them to help you with a lesser performing facility, and then build that one up and make that more lucrative so someone else would want to take it as, yes. a, as, as a full-time facility of their own. I like how y'all guarantee them the year, that's pretty neat. What did you say? Yeah, that's pretty neat how you pick it. Like, oh. within Alabama, we only get six months to, to tempt something at the most, really. Oh, no, and then because we have a shortage of managers, so in March, I'll have to make my decision on what I want to do. and. Because of the lack of managers, so I make them up one of the ones I have now. So I'll pick the one I like better, or the one that's making me the most money. That's what you mean, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, but the odds are that another store may become available because a manager in a smaller store would probably move up in, in, into mine, one or the other, because they're they're deep, minor, decent locations without disclosing income. My my facilities are good facilities, so somebody would move up in one of them. Then something lower down on the level is going to come open. Well, as a line manager, I want to make sure these facilities stay open. Yes. I don't want them to close. I don't want a sighted temp in there. I don't want them to go to solely vending only because that eliminates the possibility for another vendor down the line. So as managers, and, and you'll find this all around New York State, but in Buffalo or in the Western region, because we don't have a lot, the managers all really try to step up. It's not just me, I'm not just superwoman, really. Um, there's many managers in the Buffalo uh, area that have, have agreed to piggyback just, even if they're not making any money, if it comes out to be a wash, it doesn't matter. We're doing our fair share for the program that's given us so much to give back to them to keep a facility open. Are there any other questions right now? Because we do have two more people that would love the opportunity to speak. <laughs> And they're both probably giving me really bad dirty looks right now. <laughs> we have a, a business specialist in Buffalo who has a very interesting story. Let's sit down. Okay. Um, he, I'm gonna let him tell his story, but it just, it's kind of like that proof of how New York looks at us as visually impaired people. That we're not just one of those. We're not second class. Um, I'm going to hand the microphone over to someone I admire, I respect, someone who takes this job very serious and is really an inspiration to a lot of us. Uh, Sean Corcoran. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everybody, for having us here today. Um, my name is Sean Corcoran. Um, I'm currently a uh, food service specialist in the business enterprise program in Buffalo right now. I've been in this position for about six months. Um, my job consists of basically helping 
uh, my managers to be successful in any way I can. Anytime they have problems with any of their equipment or any of their vendors or maybe paying their sales tax online or getting their paperwork in, any way I can be of assistance, I try to be there for them. Uh, but my story with the BEB starts a long time ago, um, in, uh, back in 2009. Uh, when I was about 32 years old, I got a pretty nasty case of glaucoma, and over the, past, the following six or so years, I lost about 90% of my vision. Uh, I used to work in the restaurant business. Uh, I was a corporate trainer for a big international uh, corporate restaurant chain. And I found that I really couldn't do that anymore. I didn't think I could do that effectively anymore than being newly visually disabled. Uh, it was a very uh, scary time for me. It was, I felt very lost and very fearful of my future. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I moved to uh, Buffalo to be closer to my family, be closer to uh, better public transportation. And I honestly didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. I really was very frightened. I didn't know anybody with visual disabilities. I never knew anybody that was blind. I didn't know where to turn. Um, I was referred to the New York State Commission for the Blind, and uh, I was talked to some wonderful people in the vocational rehab uh, department over there. And we talked about different options, and I, I asked, I said, what about this business enterprise program thing? That's something I might want to do. And they said, yeah, you know what? You might be pretty good with that with your background. And so the boss got rolling and um, had a fantastic trainer. And I uh, worked with him for several months. I ended up running a facility right off the bat. I was in an unusual situation where the manager had to go out for a, a medical leave, so I took over. But I worked with him for about a year. And then there was another store that um, I think the manager retired or whatever. So they asked me, would you want to take over that store? I said, sure. It's a very slow store, didn't make a lot of money, but you know, it was it was my store, it was my business, it was my, uh, I was responsible for the whole thing. Uh, it was very empowering, it was very challenging, it, uh, it was very satisfying. Uh, I tried to do my best, I trained a couple of other managers that came through who are now uh, running their own successful businesses. Uh, over the years, I've moved to different stores as they came up through the, the canvas line kind of thing. The stores became available, and I kind of moved to a busier store and then a busier store. And I ended up at uh, a very, very busy store, making more money than I ever made in my life, actually. But it was, uh, like I said, very challenging. It's long hours, it's hard work, there's a lot of problems that you run into, a lot of uh, you know, things just every day. You know, and, you got to meet a lot of people, you got to meet a lot of interesting characters. And one of my uh, favorite things about the Business Enterprise Program was meeting the other visually disabled managers. Um, when there I was crying in my beer about my situation, and here I'm meeting these people who've been blind their whole life, and they're running their business, and they're living their best lives, and they were really inspiring to me. And they're still my friends to this day. So uh, last year, or a couple years ago, I knew there was a, uh, a position opening up in the uh, administrative side of the business enterprise program, but the specialist was retiring. And I said, you know what, I think I can do that. I think that might be a good opportunity for me to try to help a program that helped me so much. 
and maybe give back a little bit and maybe help managers like I, you know, that I was helped and um, try to, to help grow the program and try to help these managers be as successful as they can be. And so um, I got the job, I got hired last February, so I've been doing this about six months and it's a whole new set of challenges. But I really enjoy it, it's very satisfying, it's, um, I'm glad to be a part of uh, what I think is the, the new direction that the program is moving in with our new training program and our, our use of new technology. Uh, one of the things we've been trying to push and a lot of our managers are finding good success with is these point of sale systems that are using. Uh, okay, can I? Time-wise, I got to do another code. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, with this, uh, with this uh, CEs, we have to give codes at okay. certain end times, and now uh, uh, the ending for the 245 was 34BB7. 34BB7, and then for the 245 start time, uh, the code, is zero eight C C D zero eight C C D. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I forgot where I was. There. I'm sorry. You're That's talking okay. about technology. Oh, uh, yeah. For a long time, a, a lot of our stores were just cash only, and we had um, uh, you know traditional cash registers with um, technology, and then the, they would talk. And now we're moving towards this uh, different uh, point of sale devices that allows managers to take uh, cash or credit cards or tap to pay, uh, which is a big thing now a lot of people like to use. And this, the particular system that we're using now is uh, uses an iPad as its main interface, uh, which a lot of our managers are already very familiar with the iOS system and the voiceover uh, accessibility features of iOS, which are very useful. And so we've been having a lot of success with that. And um, it's just, with the training program and with the new technology, I really think that we're, we're moving into the 21st century and we're, you know, we're adapting to the different needs. And you know, um, visually disabled people now have a lot of different options than they used to maybe 30 years ago. And anything we can do to kind of make it easier and to encourage people to kind of come into our, our program is anything we'd like to do. Because like I said, when I say that the program changed my life, it's not an exaggeration. Uh, it took me from a place where I was at a very low point and was literally lost with my life. I didn't know what I was gonna do. And you know, meeting these other visually disabled people and, and working with the, the great specialists and the VR people in the Buffalo uh, region really gave me, you know, I had my own business, I had a sense of purpose, I felt like I was really taking control of my life, I had my independence, I could support myself. And I'm really glad now that I'm in a position to, to help other people like me to do the same thing. So um, that's pretty much my story. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. I'll be here all week. Enjoy the meal. Good to tip your waiters away. Yeah, don't forget to tip your bartender. Don't forget to tip your bartender. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do, do you, you're a vending specialist, right? Yes. Do you um, have regular scheduled um, appointments to the different 
And as a manager, I can tell you, they, they really are right on top of things. We're not like those horror stories that you hear across the country that your freezer's been down for six months. And, you know, we don't have that, that type of issue here. Um, New York has interesting challenges, but that's certainly not one of them. Um, you know, we, um, the specialists, the district supervisors, really step up when they need to. I mean, I go through eight pizzas a day in my facility at, at County Hall, and I have a, a pizza oven. My pizza oven went down, I had one within hours. So that gives you an example. Was that unusual? Mm, hours, maybe. But by the next day, yeah. If you have a freezer or a cooler that's leaking all over, and you can't have customers coming in out of your facilities, they're gonna have a repair person right there. Um, there is, like I said, I know a lot of the horror stories involved based around the country. That's something we don't have. That's Karen speaking, right? It is. Do you mind me asking your last name? Blackwoods. That is the other boy, L-A-C-H-O-W-I-C-Z, just so we have the correct spelling. <laughs> it is from a Polish descent. My friend Jennifer Reynolds said, Teddy, hello. Uh -huh. Oh, Karen, do you guys contract all your maintenance and repair, or do you have people on staff that those things? So, Red, you can't be If a manager has an issue with a piece of equipment or a facility or something, we are their primary contact. Because they we call have, you and you send somebody yes, out to look yes, at it, repair yep, it, yep, get it back online yep, or replace it. Yes. Okay. Because yep. I know some states have actually put on repair teams. Yeah, no, that, that wouldn't, that, that, that wouldn't would, fit our model. It wouldn't work in New York because of the geographical uh, challenges that we face in New York. If, if you think about how New York is set up, uh, you know, you're talking what is the mileage? 800 miles from, from New York City to, to, from New York City to Buffalo. Five, 600 miles, 600 miles. Yeah, I know this way. So that, it poses a lot of challenges doing that. And the difference in the regions, New York City is extremely different from Western New York or rural New York down in like the uh, Binghamton and Jamestown areas. It's just not geographically uh, anything that would make any kind of sense. Yeah. It wouldn't be cost effective to have, because they might sit around doing nothing for weeks on end. You know, knock on wood, so it's a great day when our phone doesn't ring when the manager has a problem. Well, no, I, <laughs> I understand that. I just know some states yeah. spend a lot of effort, put a lot of effort and money Technicians are they kind of jack of all trades? Kind of they can do plumbing and they can do electrical. Or? No, they mainly work on the uh, just the vending machines. I mean, they they can do they will install like coffee makers. They'll run the lines to that. But um, anything other than that, then we'll contract out. They, they you know they don't they're not going to build out a like a wall for microsystems. I mean, they'll they'll paint and do little light work, but right. anything major they'll contract. But they do deliver the equipment. Um, they'll they'll move the equipment. They'll set them up and then. We, uh, like I can text, we have two in the Birmingham area. So if I have a work order, I text it to those two technicians plus my area supervisor, 
and then whatever technician can get to it first is going to get there first or whatever. Or something. Oh, okay. That is meant by us. I just was kind of giving you an idea of it. And, yeah. And one of the things that I pointed out earlier is that a lot of the states are very different. I believe. They're all and, different. And oh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but Alabama, you have the majority of your facilities are vending rooms. That is correct. Where in New York, the majority, not all, but the majority of our facilities are like the mini marts or. Sure. So, yeah, we have over 3,000 pieces of equipment. So, like vending, just vending machines. Mm -hmm. We have wow. over 3,000 vending machines. Yeah, we got about 800 in New York State overall for everybody. So, just, and, and there are definitely, you know, there's a lot of changes coming down um, the, the, the pike. Um, New York State has one of the best mini Randolph Shepard laws out there. Nice. Uh, that was, however, there's a however for that. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> That, that was put into place nine years ago. And we still are, are fighting the fight for people to uphold the law. And I, I'm not gonna go into great detail because I wanted this, this particular presentation to be extremely positive. And there are certainly state agencies that are stepping up and um, understanding that the blind vendors do have the priority. There are places that don't though. And as time goes on over the next couple of years, I believe, because we have a very strong committee of blind vendors now. Of course, because I'm on. I see a lot of changes coming down. And um, I think you will see a lot of the vending. There, there is the strong probability that, that New York will certainly grow the vending rooms. And, and the, as, along with everything else, with, with a lot of places that are um, gonna be, that are going to have to follow the law. And, and again, like I said, I'm not gonna go a whole lot in, into all of that. Um, New York is uh, moving forward on a lot of the national priorities, but it's very slow going. And we have looked in our, because our director of our program is not here, none of us can really speak for her, so I, I absolutely don't want to step on toes or misquote. But I will tell you that there is forward movement in, in looking into the different possibilities of, of partnering with other states or gathering information. So it's still a growth and a process. Um, I was asked to, to talk about some technology. So, um, you know, let's get into the fun stuff, guys. Um, I was kind of a guinea pig in New York, from what I understand, to be the first totally blind person to use a point of sale system. Um, I have, I cannot read anything on a screen. I've been processing credit cards using the Square system for about a year and a half, and I found it. It's a beautiful system. It was simple, uncomplicated, no problems. Um, then I was asked, well, you know, Karen, if you can do that, why don't you do this? And I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe. And then, um, so because Sean is actually my boss, he is my specialist. We work for you. I'm not your boss. Ah, Ooh, I got good on that one. Yeah. Okay, so. Sean, yes, you know this is all recorded. Sean is assigned to uh, to me, I guess, let's we'll say that way. I don't like what's in my mouth in a really big way. Um, 
already told him that I'm basically a tech idiot. And, and I'm really mad. It takes me a while to catch on to things. I mean, I'm, I'm older. I'm not a kid. Um, so to learn new systems takes me a minute. Um, basically, Sean and, and my district supervisor said, if you can use an iPhone, you can do this. And I'm thinking in my head, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> but, you know, we can't stop progress. And that is something that I do understand, that I'm scared to death of change. Uh, one of my deep, dark secrets that nobody knows. Change is not always my friend, but I also know that we have to step up and just bite the bullet and do it. So, Sean and I were talking, and he said, all right, why don't we get you started, and we're gonna start on a, on a slow day, or at the end of the day. I'm like, oh no. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and you're gonna throw me in first thing in the morning, and we're just gonna work all day long until it's in my head. And, um, I mean, he can tell you more about that experience, but you know what, guys, it worked. One day being forced, I took my register away, my, my old-fashioned talking register, with my talking keys and my Z tapes and, and my print receipts, gone. He's like, nope going then you decided to do this you're gonna do it so he took it away from me and he puts his iPad on a stand in front of me and he's like all right Karen here you go I'm like what am I supposed to do he's like touch the damn screen and you'll find out <laughs> literally everything talks to you there is nothing on the point of sale system that us as totally blind people can't do advantages when you go in behind the scenes in your dashboard, because customers are scanning your items, at the end of the day, I can say, I sold 15 bottles of Pepsi. I sold three bottles of Sunkiss. I sold 82 bottles of water. What does that tell us as managers? My God, we have someone to keep inventory for us. Almost literal. At the end of the year, you can program in your inventory. Your beginning, your ending, everything you're doing. At the end of the week, you can look back through your dashboard saying, I sold X number of bottles of Pepsi. I know what I need to order, and I don't even have to get off my butt and go look at my storage room. What other advantages? Employee stealing. Has anybody in the room ever had an employee that stole from them? Oh, yes. <laughs> right? Okay, we've all been there. See, I'm gonna leave, but there's these four tuna sandwiches that are calling me, and in their purse it goes, right? Or, or the managers that, um, because we can't see, you know, hey, oh, Sam, yeah, Sam, come on, the boss isn't in. Have, have soda and a pizza pizza on me. How many of us have had buddies that hand out food to their, their friends in the buildings? This tells us exactly what's supposed to be there. I, like I said, if I could learn it, being a tech idiot, anybody can learn the technology. Um, it runs quicker for the most part. Any, any type of technology is gonna have issues. We all, we all know what it's like when a computer freezes up or when your internet has some kind of funky stuff going on. It's gonna happen. But for a, a blind individual, for the accounting, for the inventory, um, 
tracking my employees, tracking my sales when I'm not there, uh, seeing what was paid in, what was paid out, all by clicking on an email at four o'clock every day. I know exactly what that daily deposit in cash is supposed to be. I know exactly what I can expect in my bank account the next day through the credit cards. So it's a system that I really encourage blind people to look into. It gives us a freedom that we didn't have using paper. The other type of technology I use, uh, this is because of my split personality, I need my dual roles. Um, the credit card readers on vending machines. Um, they're through USA Tech. Again, I get a daily report. Every morning I wake up at four, five, six, whatever time in the morning, and there's an email waiting for me that gives me a breakdown of everything I've sold out of every vending machine. How does that help me? If I sold 300 bottles at the Buffalo International Airport, guess what I need to do that day? I gotta go to the Buffalo International Airport because I only have two machines there. I see what's, I don't see the name of the product, but I'm seeing the volume that's being sold. Same thing, I have 20 machines at the Buffalo Post Office. So if I see the cafeteria snack machine sold $200 worth of stuff, I best have my butt there to refill it. Because you know, for $200, it's an awful lot of Fritos being sold. Or gummy bears or Snicker bars, but you know something's being sold. It's Technology is giving us freedoms we never even knew existed 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. My father was a vendor. I'm a second generation blind vendor. This stuff was never even heard of. I can track my employees move. I know if I have somebody's hand in my vending machine. With using the USA Tech, it doesn't only just tell me the amount of products I've sold through credit. Tells me what I've sold in cash. If that cash doesn't match what my employee says they're taking, which let me clarify, usually my employees don't take money out of any machines, but if they're there to fill them, I will know if that machine is short. So it's giving us stuff we've never had before. Any questions on either of those two systems?
the point of sale system, and, and also there are other systems out there that do this, they will process offline until you do have an internet connection. So if you're operating off an iPad and you don't have internet, you're processing everything offline, once you, if you put that in your pocket or whatever, you take it home, you have internet at home, it will then process everything online. The disadvantage of that is if a credit card gets declined, you don't know it. Um, so that's that's not the greatest, but... So how often does that happen? It, it does, truthfully, it doesn't happen often. There is a system by, uh, called Clover that's uh, owned by First Data, which is one of the largest merchant processing systems. And from what I understand, it's gotten more and more uh, accessible to a lot of people. So you may want to look at Clover. Wait, the state has looked at Clover? Yes. And I believe we have we actually had that in a couple of facilities downstate because that was a, that was the system uh, we started with initially, right? Um, and it was actually uh, recommended by a couple of our, our managers because they had seen it and they wanted to try it out. Right. So we let them try it out and they were they were doing well with it. They were pretty happy with it. But then when we rolled out the Square system, yeah. it just oh, primarily but primarily it became an issue of the, the credit card fees. Sure. Once sure. they realized the difference in the credit card costs, yeah. they, and and you know the, the functionality is virtually the same. Um, and a little bit better on the square. So oh, yeah. we did have the clover, uh, and it, it is available. We had a manager requested it. We would make it. We would make it available. I was just saying, in his situation, yeah. and we're looking clover. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's all the systems will talk. My, my my point of sale and square system does talk. Everything yeah, talks. It uses it uses an iPad as the interface. Anything that uses an iPhone, iPad, um, has the voiceover feature right in the Apple products. Yes. So it, it's not. It's not the system that's talking, it's your iPad that's talking. It's just that everything is compatible. It was made to work with you know, any of the Apple devices. So um, voice, voiceover is a godsend to all of us. You know, how many of us now text and uh, I won't get into everything I do on my iPhone. That's <laughs> probably not a good idea, but <laughs> it, it's definitely. <laughs> Right, so there are systems that you can process offline or you can just hardwire into a phone line. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for having us. Um, it was certainly my pleasure to be here. Um, I'm very new to um, RSVA as, as far as as a national, but I somehow believe Dan and I are going to become good friends down the line here. Um, I am gonna, I'm, I'm, cer I'm certainly proud to be a blind vendor in New York. Uh, I am more proud to be a member of RSVA at this point and look forward to getting to know all of you more and working with everybody on a national level as we move forward. Uh, I'm always around, I have a strong Facebook presence, everybody knows me. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know me, you can always just listen for my big mouth and you'll find me. Usually the bar, but or the smoking section. Do we have one So guys, really, thank you for having us. I want to thank um, Rick Fitzpatrick for coming in all the way from Albany, Sean Corcoran from coming in from Buffalo,
Paul, Yerky, for sitting there looking so damn handsome. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to tell you guys about the Business Enterprise Program in New York. So thank you all. Thank you.